Pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we pray for Tommy this morning. We ask you, Lord, that you bless his body and strengthen him. We pray, pray for Mrs. Taylor and all that's going on in her life, Lord. We ask you to touch her. Lord, there's so many in, of our people just need your hand upon their lives. But Father, we gather here to, this morning to study thy word together. And we ask you now for the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, the both heaven and hell are either ignored, ridiculed, or denied by the world today. For instance, I was reading Dr. Wilbur Smith in his book, The Biblical Doctrine of Heaven, lists two quotes from a world-famous theologian and a scientist about heaven. Dr. Reinhold Niebuhr says, It is unwise for Christians to claim any knowledge of either the furniture of heaven or the temperature of hell. Dr. Alfred Whitehead says, As for the Christian theology, can you imagine anything more appallingly idiotic than the Christian's idea of heaven? So you got strange ideas about heaven. Now, a common approach by liberal clergy is that he does indeed believe on a little heaven and a little hell, but he limits them both to this earth, saying that the good things in this life are heaven, the bad things in life are hell, and this hell right here on this earth. Well, the truth is, and, and I believe this, that the only hell that a believer will ever receive is right here on this earth, if you want to call it that. But the only heaven that an unbeliever believes is right here on this earth also. Now, the reality, though, the Word of God tells us many things about our future home called heaven. And I want to show you just some of them, if I can, in the next few minutes. There is the capital of heaven. The Bible tells us of three heavens. There's the first heaven. That's the home of the birds and the clouds. Jeremiah 4, verse 25 says, I beheld, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of heaven were fled. Daniel chapter 4, verse 12, Matthew 6, 26, Matthew 8, 20 talks about this heaven. Now, as beautiful as this heaven is, that all of the birds and the things and we live in around us today, uh, it's still not where the redeemed of God live. The second heaven, this is the home of the sun, the moon, and the stars. Genesis 22, verse 17, and Psalm 19, verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. A lot of times I've mentioned this, and, and I love to watch the clouds. Ever since I was a little boy, I used to lay out in the field on my back and watch the clouds and how they form and how beautiful the, salt of the sun uh, plays on the clouds. But beyond that, you have the sun and the moon and so on. But as beautiful as they are, the handiwork of God has shown to us uh, they're still not where God's people dwell. Now, the third heaven, this is the home of God, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, and 1 Kings 8, 27 and 30 talks about this. Now, I want you to watch this. Although man is all, in all his wisdom, 
has been able to travel to the first two heavens. The only way we can get to the third heaven is by the new birth. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 9, Jesus told His disciples to pray. After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now, this refers to the third heaven. That's the abode of God. The Bible teaches that within this heavenly abode, there exists a dazzling, high, and holy city called New Jerusalem. And this beautiful and blessed city is therefore not only the center and present, but it will be the permanent home of the redeemed throughout all eternity. Psalms 87 verse 3 says, Glorious things are spoken of thee, a city of God, Selah. Now the characteristics of heaven, facts about the New Jerusalem, the shape of this city is given to us in Revelation 21 and verse 16. It's a cube. Now the size of this city is given to us in Revelation 21 and verse 16. According to our present day measurements, this city would be roughly 1,400 square miles. That is up, down, sideways, every way you want to look, 1,400 miles. Now, if it's placed in America, it would reach from New York City to Denver, Colorado, and from Canada to Florida. Now, think about it for just a minute. Now, just how big a city is the size of this? The earth has about 120 million square miles of water surface and 60 million square miles of land surface. If you multiply 14 times 14 times 1400, which are the dimensions of New Jerusalem, you have the total cubic miles of the New Jerusalem, which is 2 billion 700 million cubic miles, which is some 15 times the combined surface of the entire earth, including both land and water area. Now, it has been estimated that about 40 billion people have lived on our planet since the creation of Adam. Now, think about this. In this number, over 4 billion are living today. Now, uh, the density study of the city population assures us that every single one of these 40 billion people could easily be accommodated upon just the first foundational floor of about 1,400 Lord city. The inhabitants of this city, who will dwell in the shining city of the stars? Number one, the holy and elect angels, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, Revelation chapter 5, verse 11. Now notice God knows the angels' numbers. But there are so many of them that man cannot fathom. The Bible says that there may be as many angels as there are stars in heaven, because angels are often associated with stars. Revelation chapter 9 verse 1. So there will be untold trillions of angels there. Then there will be the 24 elders. Revelation 4 verse 4. We know they will be there. The church, that is, every saved person, will be there. Now, we know the church, but uh, just think about this. Jesus' wedding ring to his beloved bride, which is the church, is every believer on the face of this earth that's going to be there. Saved Israel, although the New Jerusalem is basically a wedding present from the bridegroom, Christ, to the bride, the church, Israel, nevertheless, is also 
invited to dwell within these jasper walls according to Hebrews 11, verse 16, and Matthew 25. Now, Jesus quotes these words during his Mount Olive Discourse. In relating two parables, he likened saved Israel to some prepared wedding guests, parable of the ten virgins, and later on, two faithful servants, parable of the talents. He, therefore, he uh, pictures saved Israel as joining the bride and the bridegroom. So, we have the bride, the bridegroom, and saved Israel is all going to be there. We know according to Revelation 4, verse 2 and 3, that the Father, God the Father, is going to be there. The only other description of God the Father is found in Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, besides Revelation 4. So we know He's going to be there. The Son, Revelation chapter 5, verse 6, tells us the Son will be there. Not only is the Lamb of God an occupant of heaven, but the very source and strength and center of heaven is Jesus, the Lamb of God. Now I want you to watch this. Without Jesus, there could be no heaven because the light of heaven is the face of Jesus. The joy of heaven is the presence of Jesus. The song of heaven is the name of Jesus. The theme of heaven is the work of Jesus. The employment of heaven is to work the work of Jesus. The fullness of heaven is the person of Jesus. Now, the Holy Spirit will be there also. Now, so we know who is going to be in heaven. You know what I like to, the reason I like to preach uh, funerals of born-again believers? Because I really believe it, and I can prove it by the Word of God, absent body present with the Lord. And I know they're in a place. Because John chapter 14, if you'll turn over there with me for just a minute, I'll show you. And of course, you probably memorize these verses. I know, I know I'm so familiar with them that I think about them all the time. In John chapter 14, verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, what would I have told you? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, Lord, we know not where thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Now, I like that part where he says, I go to prepare a place for you. So we know that heaven is a place. Amen? We know that a place has people. It's occupied. So we know there is such a place as heaven. One of my great joys is to be able to tell the families of people that's going on that they're not someplace waiting to go to heaven. The, the absent body is present for the Lord. They're already there. And I like what Brother Roloff said one time, and I never will forget it. And uh, it, it's a simple little thing, but he said, if I don't beat you back from the grave, there's nothing to my God. You think about that for just a second. He ain't even there. Amen. Uh, you, we don't go out trying to plant our loved ones in the ground and forget them. We plant the body. <clears throat> and you think about this. The Bible says, uh, talks about planting the Bible. 
You know why he said planting the Bible? Because anything you plant, you expect to come up. Amen? And so when you plant the body in the ground, we're looking for it to come up. But the joy is that when we put our body in the ground, our soul and spirit is not by It's already gone. And when you think about heaven, and you listen to people today, and you try to talk to people about going to heaven today, and they look at you with like they got stars in their eyes or something, and they don't even understand what you're talking about. We're not talking about a figment of somebody's imagination. We're talking about a place. We're talking about a place that's been prepared by God for His people. And by the way, there's plenty of room there for you. And for every other saved person will ever get saved in, in that place that God prepared for us. And we'll be recognized by each other. In the book of Hebrews, talking about that we'll recognize one another. We'll see them, we'll know them as they are. That's a wonderful place called heaven. Now, I want to go back with you for just a minute, and I want you to watch this, please, as I start. Uh, I was reading a little something the other day that I want to read to you just for just. It says, How to be miserable in 20 easy steps. Now, I want you to think about this. Use I as often as possible. Always be sensitive to slights. Be jealous and envious. Number three. Number four, think only about yourself. Number five, talk only about yourself. Number six, trust no one. Number seven, never forget a criticism. Number eight, always expect to be appreciated. Number nine, be suspicious. Number ten, listen greedily to what others say about you. Number 11, always look for faults in others. Number 12, do as little as possible for others. Number 13, shrink your duties if you can. Number 14, never forget a service you have rendered. Number 15, sulk if people are not grateful for your favors. Number 16, insist on consideration and respect. Number 17, Demand agreements with your own views on everything. Number 18, always look for a good time. Number 19, love yourself first. Number 20, be selfish at all times. Now, that's, that's just the how to be miserable in 20 d different steps. And I read that little thing and I thought of all the miserable people in this world. And what are they looking forward to? What do they have to look forward to? You know why I'm happy and, and all the time and, and just enjoying life all the time? It, it's, it's bad as sometimes my arthritis hurts and I know I'm getting older and I can't get around like I used to and all the things that's going on in this life. This is not what I think about. I don't think about all these things. I don't have to be. I'm beyond that anymore. Uh, having somebody pat me on the back and tell me everything's all right. You know why? I'm looking for a new city. I'm looking for a new place. I'm looking for a place. I, I'm going to be out of here in a little while and have some bodies present of the Lord. And then the Bible says that we'll enjoy the presence of the Lord in each other together. Can you imagine? I was reading David. And, and Solomon and, and David preparing for the temple and, and Solomon coming along and building the temple. And then how they rejoiced and all the sacrifices 
And they said they had a piece of meat for everybody and a flagon of wine for everybody that everybody eat and rejoiced in the Lord. Rejoiced in the Lord at a temple being built. And I thought, what a glorious day that must have been with all the blowing of the trumpets and all the glory and the pomp it must have went on that day. And, and I thought, man, what a time that must have been. Can you imagine now going a step further, a long way past that, and think about that one day, whether you die in this life, have somebody present the Lord, or if Jesus was to come right now, that we're going to heaven, and what a moment that that's going to be with all the glory that we're going to see. Can you imagine? I've thought about this many a time. Can you imagine laying eyes or seeing God for the first time in all His glory? Can you imagine seeing your Savior for the first time in all His salvation that's mentioned in the Bible and what He's done for you? And how you could, you're going to fall down and worship Him for all eternity and glorify His name? Can you imagine seeing all the angels and everything that's there? We're going to be able to see all of that. Now we see through a glass darkly, but the Bible says one day face to face. Can you imagine seeing all these things and then rejoicing with God's people throughout all eternity? i got many a friend that's already gone on. It's in heaven right now. And I miss them. I miss a lot of people that I that God brings to my uh, attention all the time that I've known in the past. This church has been filled with people that's already in heaven. You couldn't put them in this church right now. Of all the people and their loved ones and their friends around them that is going on and in heaven right now, can you imagine one day of seeing them all again? That's what heaven is about. And all the glory... I was reading something the other day where the Bible says that Jesus is the light of heaven. I get up every morning expecting the sun to come up, S-U-N to come up. But the Bible says that one day we won't need the sun anymore, that Jesus will be the light of heaven. I can't imagine that, but I'm looking forward to seeing it. Amen. I think about the rainbow that the Revelation talks about. It's around the throne of the Lord. The rainbow, the emerald rainbow. You know what that speaks of? That's green. That's that by the grace of God. Green in Scripture speaks of the grace of God. And you, you, you know, you see Jesus seated on the throne of Almighty God forever and ever. And you think of one thing: you're welcome. That's grace. Amen. When you look at that throne, you think of grace. I was reading just this past week where. The, David was sitting on his throne. And brother, you didn't approach his throne unless David said, come forward. And he held out the scepter to you to come forward. And you were welcome then. But if you came in unwelcome, he cut your head off. There was men there, you're not welcome. But by the grace of God, when we get to heaven, we're going to be welcome. Amen. I like to ask people all the time when I'm talking about the salvation of their soul. I come down to the place and I say, suppose you wish to die right now and you wish to go to heaven's door. You could go to heaven's door and God was to say to you, why should I let you into my heaven? What's your answer going to be? And I've heard every answer in the world that you can think of of people giving me why they ought to be in heaven. Why God should let them in. I've been a good person. 
I've treated people right all of my life. I've paid my bills. I've been good to my wife and my children. Uh, they give you every kind of answer in the world, but there's only one answer that will get you into heaven, and that is if you apply the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ to your sins. Period. And if you've done that, you're welcome. That's the grace of God. Now, here's why I want to get to this morning. I'm not worried about being welcome home, man. That's what I'm going to talk about. I talk about the place. Years ago, I was in the masonry business. I was working for a very rich man. And he's building homes out there on the fingers of the bay. And I was working for him one day, and we had finished up one house next door, and they had finished furnishing the thing and getting it ready for the occupants to come in and take it over. And I asked him, I said, do you mind if I go in and look around? And I never will go in there and just looking around in that mansion out there. And here was a big old pillow, a four-foot square pillow out by the swimming pool. And I looked at that thing, you know, and I looked at all the, the stuff that he had in that home and the swimming pool right in the middle of the house and just all kind of things, big yachts sitting out by the bay. And I looked at all of that and I thought to myself, man. And I walked outside and I said, how much of a place like this cost to the owner of it? He said, uh, what do you care? You can never afford anything like this. And I never will forget him saying that to me. And I thought about it. What a mansion. I can't afford nothing like that. Amen. And I don't know many people in this world can, but I got one, brother, that's already been paid for. And I'm welcome to it. It's mine. That's what I think about heaven. And I talk to people all the time. This is not a mystery. This is not a fairy tale. This is not something out of reach of us today. This is something that's taught in the Scriptures. It's God's Word. God said we got a place. We got a place already been paid for, already been built. And Jesus has gone there to prepare us a place. And He's got one for me. And I never will forsake it telling a family one time. I think I said, you think about this. The Bible says He is going to prepare a place for you. And that person that I was talking about, uh, that funeral service, I said, you can't take His place. Amen? God's got a place prepared for Him. And I, I got home later on, I got thinking about that. Man, that's a great statement for this reason. He's got one for me too. And there's nobody else can have that place. It's mine. And it's already prepared. It's already waiting for me. And I, one of these days, at the call of the Lord, I'm going to go to my home. And it's heaven. And I think about the travel there. Have you, have you ever watched one of these spaceships? And as they, as they take off and they turn around and show it back to the earth. And they're going away from the earth. And how beautiful this world is, really. How beautiful it is sitting out there in space. And God said by His Word He holds it out there in space. But that ain't even a tip of what heaven's like. How beautiful all that is. The moon. When they landed on the moon and the beautiful scenes that they shoot. That's not even a tip of what heaven's going to be like. When God talks about a 
the transparent streets of gold in heaven, the jasper walls and all the beauty of heaven. My mind can't even conceive all of that. And all the beauty is there. But there's one thing I know. God said it was there. And I know it's so. And I know I'm going there one day. Amen. And the reason that I love to preach and the reason I love to witness to people is I want them to go with me. I've never met a person yet that I do not want to go to heaven with me. I want them to be changed by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus and go home with me. Amen. Dr. Curtis Hudson said this jokingly one time, and I never will forget it. He said, I, I go to all these kind of churches. He said, I go to some that believe you can, uh, you know, you're not saved forever. You can lose your salvation. <clears throat> and he talked about the rapture and all this. And he said, one of these days, if I live long enough and Jesus comes, and all these friends of mine that think that the, uh, the rapture is partway through the tribulation and all this kind of stuff, and then suddenly Jesus comes and we all go up together. He said, I just want to reach over to them and say, I told you so. <laughs> Amen. Uh, that's what I get excited about. I just want to be able to say, one day I told you so. What a glorious day it's going to be. Amen. I'm looking forward to it. Father, would you bless each one that's come. Bless the reading and study of thy word. And Father, we can't even conceive in our finite mind what heaven is really like. We can only get a glimpse of it through thy word. But what a glorious place it must be. And Father, we ask you to bless today.